welcome to Film Lovers. I'm Sonia Chung. I'll be talking to people who work in the film industry and who are also avid film lovers. Today I'll be continuing my conversation with writer, DP and filmmaker Maya. Hi Maya, how are you today? I'm well, thanks Sonia. How are you? I'm good. We had a great time last time, didn't we? Yeah, it was very fun. <laughs> so today, what will your theme be? Uh, I think my theme will be, well, the the timescape will be 90s films, and I guess the theme will be, like, films that I ha either had great effect on me, either consciously or subconsciously. Okay. So you don't have a general countdown, do you? You just have a list of all the sort of most memorable and your favourite films from the 90s period. Yeah. I have a list right. of, like, things I can, yeah, that I think, yeah, had an impact on me, basically. Okay. So go into your first one, then. I think the first one by far is Boogie Nights, Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. Very good film. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I think that that, well, that film like changed my life, for sure. It was the film that made me kind of realize that I wanted to work in film, and specifically at that time that I wanted to be a cinematographer. Um, mm -hmm. I'd, my whole life I'd been like a massive, massive like film buff and really addicted and was watching an insane amount of films on a daily basis. But um like my, I'd always sort of like not uh, really taken into consideration the credits at the beginning of a film, and I would usually like fast forward through them to be quite honest. And I, my whole life, I saw this thing, this credit called director of photography, and I had been doing still photography for many, many, many years, and thought that that was kind of where my career was going to go. And um, and then the third time. I saw Boogie Nights, uh, which was at home. I kind of, I had something switched on in the in the pool scene, the first pool scene, the uh, first party where like Jack Horner's like introducing Eddie Adams, not yet Dirk Diggler, to everyone, and it just goes around, and I I like just the the, the camera movement uh, and the way it moves and the way the camera movement moves the story forward and really like creates the ambiance of the party like ultimately like the whole like you know like the, the just moving from person to person and all of that movement and all that stuff I, I at that moment I realized what a, a DP did like that this credit that I'd always seen that didn't mean anything to me suddenly meant something to me and I was like oh this is what they do yeah um and I was like this is what I want to do because I'd always been obsessed with words and 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 I'd been I'd been studying photography and I'd been photographer like my whole life up till that point and there was always something mo missing and I, I realized at that moment that what was missing was movement and words. Um, and yeah, that film just changed yeah. my life entirely. And also, I think it was the first time I'd ever seen a film with, with um, so many characters and that I had left it and felt t totally whole, like complete yeah. and, and like nothing was missing. Uh, I, I remember like, yeah, I, I just thought that, that that film was like perfect. I, it was, yeah. It was a very unique experience, and it completely changed my life. Oh, absolutely, like, yeah. And I can really pinpoint it to that scene in that film, in that third viewing of that film. They're they're quite. Um, it, what struck me about that film is, I mean, it's been a really long time since I've seen it. Is that they're all quite um, tragic characters, aren't they? And they've kind of made, even though they all work in the porn adult industry. They're, they're kind of like their own family. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. It's a very strange family environment. 
for people that basically been been kicked out of their house or like he gets kicked out of his house his parents tell him to never come back again etc um and they've kind of made their own family environment in a very strange uh, well, yeah. not, not that different from like lgbtq stories you would have heard from then mm. and also obviously still today yeah yeah, um, yeah. but yeah i but think it is very and i think also that they have um they do make each other feel, there is a general for the longest time for those characters for the for like at least the first half of that film they they're so positive they're so like full of hope for the present and the future and 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 they really see themselves as these like kind of slightly like ambassadors of goodwill to some extent it's, it's it is very like you know like they the, you know he talked about how like you know they help um they help married couples and like the, yeah, the, the being, just simply being open with sexuality and like we are talking about like uh 1979 1980 um and i think that and and also obviously them they were uh like all of their this is pre obviously the film kind of towards ends with with videotape taking over that world but it's all they're all still communal experiences right their films are shown in film theaters in large groups of people uh on yeah, huge yeah. screens so like there is you know, like why there are lots of you know aids doesn't exist yet there are lots of reasons to be quite positive about what you're doing and they kind of have they they really own like roller girl really owns her like her her yeah, body yeah, and her yeah. and she refuses she like it's she refuses to be a victim even though people try to make her into one and she she really yeah, like yeah. knows herself quite well I, I think that that's also quite i it's really like quite a shame. actually i've seen the last time i saw that film um the Prince Charles Theatre in London had done a retrospective of like 35 millimeter prints of PTA films, I think, for the coming out of um, Phantom Thread or, mm. or The Master. I can't remember which one it was. Anyway, I bought like tickets to the whole thing. And um, it was the first time I had seen the, in, in a British audience, seen the film in, with the British audience. And it really <laughs> made me really sad, actually, because they were laughing. And it's not a really? comedy. And I felt like their laughter was really cynical, actually, and, and slightly cruel. And I don't think that, like, Eddie or Dirk Diggler or however you... Like, those... I don't think that... Or, or John C. Adams' character in that film. Like, I don't think that they're... I think you laughing at them is a bit... I don't know if they're laughing because they're uncomfortable or because they're trying to prove that they're more clever than these not, like, particularly clever. Yeah, yet yeah. really authentic and genuine people who would never wish ill on you i don't know if it, like i was like yeah. i was it like must have been a bit of an uncomfortable laughter as well i'd imagine yeah but it was also like it felt like a power play and you're like what is yeah, this for like they were laughing at their expense yeah and you're like well, this is stupid first of all they can't hear you second of all we <laughs> uh like we assume that you know more than like yeah, this yeah. porn actor who's coked up who's like misquoting napoleon or whatever the hell he like it's, it's like absurd it's absurd but you know what's funny is that it starts off like kind of very positive and like because it starts sure. it in the seventies, isn't it? It starts. It off. starts in seventy eight or seventy nine, and then That's it ends right. in yeah. And and then and then as it goes on, you start to see the descent and all of these. Yep. It's all like, these people. Yeah, video pretty much brings the death of it. Like yeah, video is like the decide deciding factor. That's, that's that's an interesting point that you bring up because there was. I mean, I'm going I'm going to go off a bit of a tangent quickly. But then obviously when 2000 came along, well, when the internet started coming along mm -hmm. and the digital age started coming up, 
well, not the digital age, but you know, when the internet came yeah. along. Then a lot of porn actors in that generation that were used to having regular, quote, work uh, coming out onto videos, and suddenly people weren't buying videos anymore because they could just go on the internet yeah. and find free porn on there. So that was also the death of that era. And I remember there was a Louis, I mean, I don't want to go off too much into tangent, but the Louis Farouk documentaries, he did the first one about the porn industry in the 90s. And then he did a follow-up many, many years later. Um, and um, there were a few of them all say, basically saying how the internet had ruined their yeah. industry. So that's kind of like, uh, that's quite interesting because uh, Booty Nights is a bit like that, isn't it? But then also the videos came along and then that ruined that all of Well, historically just, speaking, and, I'm, I'm, and we're going back like to the beginning of the, of, of the creation of photography. Later, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like historically speaking, in a, from a technological perspective, porn has always led the way. Yeah, so, yeah, like yeah. like the first uses of photography, the first uses of like even now, the first uses of three D, the first uses of, of Blu Ray. These were all like the porn, video porn industry. So like what you're saying about like uh, like porn stars being like you know they they don't get royalties anymore. They don't get all of the things that like they, they that their copyright would would traditionally have given them it's not different from recording artists of any yeah like actually that's a very interesting point i didn't think that they would get royalties but yeah that well if they directed and produced it they would and a lot of like a lot of like Gemma jameson a lot of porn stars like um it's funny i once heard that like the interesting an interesting point about like uh there are great interviews with Gemma jameson like like again kind of like roller girl refusing to be a victim and being very like yeah ballsy and she like kind of she built an empire ultimately and um she moved ahead and somebody had said like the porn industry is the only industry in the world where like every in every single instance women make more money than men really yeah okay. it's just like consistent yeah, yeah. um but, but also they do they do like you know like back in the day they would like kind of move up the ranks if they aged out of the yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever is wanted or they just for whatever reason stopped doing it um, they would go on to direct, they'd go on to shoot, they'd go on to yeah, produce. Yeah. So um, that's sort of like something that I guess has been taken up. But it's not, I mean, it's the same as like any type of, all, all like most recording artists now don't make money off no. album sales. They make money off their concerts, which is not really open to porn stars. No, no, no. Um, so, um, so anything else you want to say about Ricky Nights? It's kind of amazing that it was made by a 24-year-old, but then again, I don't think anyone... Was he 24 I think time? he was 24 or 25 at the time. It's a remarkable Jesus. thing. But there is also an energy in that film that is... It's certain in a way that only youth can bring. Mm. It's like... It, it, it's so confident. And it's not a confidence that comes from experience. It's a confidence that almost comes from ignorance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like that film doesn't know that it could fail. No, and it it's, ha- it's naivety as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, which it's, is... It's very much of that thing when you're that young, you don't know what to expect. And yeah. That the world is going to throw every opportunity away. It's, it's, it's amazing. And also, like, maybe that is also why there's such authenticity in these characters. Is like, there's no snobbery in the filmmaking. Um, even when, like, things go awry, which is a delicate way of putting it, um... <laughs> um the the characters and the music they're treated with such compassion 
not it's there's no it's not a moral tale it's not no, like they're we... very endearing in a very strange way as well aren't they they're actually there's a there's a, hu a human side to them yeah. I mean, obviously they are humans but they're being objectified in a certain way and um, then you actually realize that a lot of these people are very emotionally damaged and they're doing the best that they can with what they have like they're all yeah, exactly. they, they like there's that scene towards the end where um amber waves we find out her real name i can't remember what the character's real name julianne moore's character goes to the um hearing uh the custody battle with her ex-husband and you get why she left them you get you you like totally understand what a woman is in the judicial system and mm. and the judgment like you understand all of these things of like like you said like they built themselves a new family but you get why at the end you get why they did it not why they became porn stars that really feels like a choice they made but yeah. everything the need to create an alternative family is clear yeah, and abundant yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I think that there is just also i just think that that film has so much like compassion in it i think that it's mm. very it's like very unique in because you have a lot of like multi-plot films like I think that like uh, there's like if I were to compare it to like Magnolia, it's funny I was thinking about like oh that's another one I love that film that he made that later yeah if you, that's the film he made right after and I was thinking like a lot of ninety uh, films that we think of that like are defined as nineties films actually came out in two thousand and one like the yeah, Sixth Sense say, that Magnolia one, I don't know if it was made in the nineties yeah, but I know it came out in two thousand or two thousand one yeah something like that I think that that was the year where like a lot of like what oh, is now movies, deemed yeah. as like the end of the nineties like quintessential films. But Magnolia is then. Oh, I love that. This is an amazing much. film, but I think that it it's is. much judgier. I think that it's like I think yeah. that I th I don't think it has the same compassion for its character. It's not. It's not a bad thing. It's not. No, a... it's they're 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 very deeply well in a funny way. You'd think Boogie Nights would be because they're all very emotionally yeah. damaged people. But actually, like you said, there's a lot of compassion for them. Whereas Boogie Nights, when you watch it, you think, oh, all these characters. I mean, they're... You mean Magnolia? Well, yeah, as Magnolia say, so they all come together at the end and there's a positive ending for them all. But you just think, you're, yeah, I know, I, can, I can't explain it. No, I, I mean, like, I, I, I agree. I think that, like, Tom, like, like the Tom well, Cruise ca character role. and, like, there, there are, like, a lot of characters there that are, like, it is about judging them. Like, the dad of the little kid... That's the quiz show. There's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of he's people. He's kind of abusive. He's isn't very he? yeah, and and, and there is of course abusive. literally the, the the dad that abused his daughter, who's the host of the game show, who sexually oh, yeah, abused yeah, his daughter. Yeah, that, there's there's Tom Cruise. His, his whole point, the character is misogynistic. Yeah, exactly. His point like, is to know, like, like manipulate the cock and all of that stuff. Yeah, he's yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's a very a much judgier film, like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I, I think Boogie Nights is very, and in that sense, I think that like it, it's very '90s because I think of the '90s as a, a very kind of like not necessarily a compassionate time, although I do think that there's there's a great authenticity and an endearment there to it, and a real love of craft versus yes. commerce. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there were like, uh, so yeah, that's, I mean, in regards to like Boogie Nights, I think it like changed my life. And I think that also like it's so many of its imagery and particularly small like moments of drama in households, like, like the whole scene between Eddie Adams and his mother, the last day he's in this house and like, she's yelling at him about like where you've been and she's being very cruel to him. She's been waiting yeah, for, yeah, up yeah. for him all night. 
And he says, stop saying I'm stupid. I'm not stupid. And she just yells at him. She says, I'm not saying you're stupid. You're just too stupid to recognize that that's not what I'm saying or something to that effect. And yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's very harsh. And then there's like a cut to like the father sitting alone in the room, listening to everything and not participating in his family, not defending his son or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so good. It's it so, I mean, so bit... there. It's so in that moment and it exists like you know, in front of you. Yeah, yeah. You know, the bit that I was remember was, was the bit where, oh, is it William H. Macy when he commits suicide after yeah. killing his wife? Because his wife is a porn star and she's always sleeping with her friend of yeah. So publicly as well, like one of, there's a scene where she's having sex with several men in the in the driveway in the garage or something yeah. like that. And and she's like, stop embarrassing me, go, go, go home or something like that. And he just basically, at the end, he just like, he just goes and sort of shoots her and shoots yeah. another one, and he shoots himself. And after he kills himself, you can you can sense a big, like you know, everyone just feels. It really is like they've lost a fa a very important family member who was and also he, very sweet and in like he really cared about how the film looked. Like I remember yeah. one time where he's like, you know, I'm just talking about how like. Like yeah, he he really cared about like he took his job seriously. He had res he had respect for his role as I can't remember what he was a light a gaffer or something like yeah, that. Yeah 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 yeah. So that was that was I mean that was awful. But at the same time, you could really tell that actually these people really care about each other. Yeah, and also he um, I think also the thing that like kind of always about that character is that like he has a fear of appearing unliberal by wanting mm. to be in a monogamous relationship ultimately. Yeah. And um, I always think that's very funny, like, where, like, I've had, I've had, like, I think in this day and age, I've definitely had conversations with people where, like, I've said, like, you know, don't try to out-liberal me. It's not, um, yeah. it's, it's it, like, like, and he's living in this, like, uber-liberal world, right? But yeah, they're yeah. actually not really, at least his wife and other people, they're not really acknowledging how he feels, even though they're super-liberal. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's crack on to your other ones. Okay, so um, so uh, okay, so the other ones um, there are a few. Okay, so okay. Uh, I'll you go for all of them first to say the names. Okay, so the the first. other ones are like I was thinking of Total Love, or uh, which is an Israeli film by a director called Gul Bentovich, um, okay. and it was written, apparently, I didn't know, it was written by Gul Bentovich, I know that, but now I also found out that it was also written by Ed Edgar Carrot, who's a very um, prolific uh, filmmaker and writer, and, like, it's been on the New York Times bestselling list, he's super, super, uh, like, well-known, and mm -hmm. then um, the other film I was going to say was Arizona Dream, because for me it represents something super unique that, that kind of doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, I was also thinking either of Strange Days by Catherine Bigelow um, or um, The Quiz Show by Robert Redford. So okay. they're very, oh, and yeah, and Naked to an extent, but I think Naked is also a bit out of the, the realm. Mike Lee's Naked. Okay. Um, is that any more? Um, no. I, mean, I would say that those are. Oh Those yeah, no. Naked is ninety three, so we could definitely okay. include Naked. So why don't you go through them each individually in a little bit? So okay, so we'll talk about total love. So total love, or in Hebrew, it's called Mashu Totari, which means something total, and okay. it's uh, it was like super a super successful film when I was growing up. 
Um, and it had like very like quintessential 90s stars, I think. A little bit like if you can imagine uh, the alternative to like what would have been like uh, Kevin's, like a local version of like Kevin Smith's crew. So like actors that appear in every single film, you kind of know that this director is going to cast these friends of his and they're going to play sort of these characters. So that, uh, and it, it's sort of about, it's the, the concept is uh, these two guys who are, kind of they're like stoners and um and one of them is a chemist and they create a new form of what is effectively ecstasy um and uh and they kind of go on a mad road trip that takes them to like india and holland and all over israel and it's just such a first of all like the idea that like they create a feel-good drug is super 90s to me rather than like (laughs) rather than something that gives them any form of advantage right it's only Mm -hmm. about like feeling love and and the light and it's so like it, it's very it's very it's, I, to say i think it's unfair to say it's naive but but it, there is an innocence there that is authentic yeah, yeah. for sure yeah, yeah. um so they invent a, a love uh, like a, a love potion which is called total love and right. it also uh the the abbreviation is tlv which is also the abbreviation of tel aviv so it's like a very like Tel Aviv type of a thing, a very nineties thing, and they're both kind of in love with the same girl. Who basically, she like takes this drug, or like they decide they're going to try to market this drug because it definitely works. And um, they need, and it's a, it's in liquid form, and they need to like get it across borders. And that's the other thing I kind of really like about like heist films or drug films is like mm-hmm. the ingenuity of like how, you know, they have a problem. They have to move, let's say something from point A to point B. How do you do it in a way that's like unique, but mm-hmm. also logical? So I don't know if you remember, but like, I guess they still exist. But in like trainers, in the soul of trainers, there's like this clear bubble, right? This like plastic clear, like yeah. you'd have you'd have the rubber and then you'd have like, like just clear plastic, like quite thick. And then the oh, rest okay, of the shoe. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they um they inject the liquid into that clear bubble. And she like literally just walks, she just walks through every customs. And I always thought that, that was genius because <laughs> it's one of those like oh shit, it's totally staring you in the face. It totally looks it's got like this like fluorescenty pink vibe. It totally looks like something like a Nike or like a Reebok would have designed. Yeah. It's just genius. Instead of being like we'll put it in this and it can be confident. Like she's like they're just gonna walk totally casually across several borders it's just that i love that i thought that that was really cool and there's something and also like israeli culture i mean definitely tel aviv culture it's very like like it's very uh pro drug like we're very like drug like positive we like most people take do drugs like as commonplace kind of as, as as a way of like expanding you know their a big part of their social life expanding spirituality and and so on and so forth and the other thing israelis do is travel like a lot especially to india that's like they'll spend like a long long time in india so this film and also back in the day when like weed wasn't legal everywhere not that it is in the uk but when legal then like amsterdam obviously was mentioned quite a lot in like you know obviously in pulp fiction and Amsterdam was like like a kind of a mecca um so yeah yeah. so this film goes to like india and uh amsterdam and it's very like it it embraces that whole like from a geographical perspective it also embraces that whole episode but there is something very uh like innocent about it like and also like the backstory of it 
in terms of like if you look at it you're like that the fact that the film got made it wasn't that hard to make that film to get the money together it wasn't a very expensive film to make it made a lot of money it was just fun like yeah. most israeli films are not fun like we're not allowed to because israeli films are like you'll make a comedy mostly for israelis but they won't get international distribution why because people only want to see films like europeans or whatever the world they want to see dramas about the conflict and war movies that's mostly what's expected from israelis and this film like managed to like break through all of that because it's just a really great film and it was fun and it was sweet and um and it had it's like a little like it's nothing like kevin smith's films but it does have like or that vibe that like super 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 fun vibe vibe to it um Which, sorry, brings me to one more thing that isn't on my list that totally should be on my list that I think is quite unique is Dazed and Confused. Okay. Um, Why Dazed and Confused? Because Dazed and Confused is uh, Richard Linklater's film. It takes place, the whole film takes place in one day in 1976, the last day of high school. Okay. And it is has one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. And it also has like a real ease and it's 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 like just things flow from one scene to another and they're really cool and it's and it's another one of those films where you're like you could never make that film today first of all the studio would lose its budget just on the soundtrack and and also like (laughs) there's just there's just like there is an innocence about it a naivete and it's not like we're not looking back at 1976 from a judgy perspective and being like oh my god they were so sexist they were so no it's just like these are these characters. We kind of love them for who they are. If you don't, that's fine. It's not for you. It's not a big deal. Nothing is a big deal. I think that that's the other thing. It's really weird because you, you, when you try to make films, a lot of times they like really want for things to have like really high stakes. Yeah. And these films don't have high stakes. No. At all. Like the 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 main goal of ninth of like Dazed and Confused is to get Aerosmith tickets. That's not really like high stakes. That's like pretty like they're just gonna have a party and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's cool. And it's great. Um, and it's, again, full of these, like, just, like, total love. It's, like, full of these, like, moments. So Alec Baldwin, recent, like, last year said something that's very true, which is that, like, okay films or good films, I'll go with okay films, you, like, remember the story. Yeah. Because that's all that stay with you. But great films, you remember moments. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. I think, yeah. So I think that, like, these are all films that are, like, built of moments and the structure kind of... To me, like, when people are like, what is it... This can be about film or literature. It doesn't matter. If I, like, recommend... I recommend, like, a book to somebody and I'm like, it's written so well. Like, it's just written so well. And they're like, what's it about? And you're like, it doesn't matter. Do you understand? Like, because the words... Like, it's just so frustrating. It's so, like... Like, like, I don't know. To me, like, um, there's no to like to 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 um to compress it down to just a story is doing a disservice to the artistry. Sure. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit like uh, I don't know. Talking about a painting or talking about a dance piece, you're just like the mm-hmm. whole point of it is that it's nonverbal. So the next film I was going to talk about is Arizona Dream. Why Arizona Dream? Um, Arizona Dream is super 90s film it's a lot of like wide lenses in it um <laughs> there's like it is it's a Emil Kostelica's american film mm-hmm. um and it is first of all the fact that Emil Kostelica made an american film is already like super not something that happens anymore uh-huh. um 
And he made an original film after he had like a really successful film. He had, uh, I think um, he had a few very successful films and I think he had won an Oscar for foreign film for one of them. And I think okay. in today's world, they would, uh, an American producer would have taken one of his very successful non-English speaking films and just remade it in English. Like they do now with like Hanukkah films and uh, they did it with False Majeure. Um, and they, back then they didn't do that. They saw a great filmmaker who made non-English speaking films and they said, would you like to make a film in English? What would you like to make? And um, he made an insane film with a cast that is like uber 90s, but so, so good. So it's Johnny Depp, Vincent Gallo, that gives one of the greatest performances of his life. Uh, uh, the late, great uh, Jerry Lewis. I believe it's Faye Dunway and it's definitely um, Lily Taylor. Lily Taylor okay. is like a definitely like a 90s staple. Um, and it's, a, a, it's, it's, it's about, it's so, it's very, I mean, like reviewers would call it wacky. It's very out there. It's very, it's got like magical realism elements to it. It's got real, like authenticness to it. So like even the assholes who are assholes, like Vincent Gallo definitely plays a dick. Again, there's no judgment of him, really. Like you as a character are judging him, but not. Uh, yeah. and, and and it is definitely like a love letter to film uh, as yeah. well. So it's like um, there are those, there's that great scene with like Johnny Depp and Vincent Gallo are uh, at the cinema. And I can't remember what De Niro film they're watching, but they're watching a, fil a film with De Niro. And uh, the, Vincent Gallo is with the woman and she... I don't know, like, uh, they're doing something sexual, like, I remember what, and then she wants to touch his face. <laughs> oh, and Johnny Depp is, like, sitting next to them, like, slightly uncomfortable, but yeah. also, like, kind of shocked that this is even happening. <laughs> and, um, and he touches his face, she touches his face, and he's, she says, um, what the hell, like, don't touch my face, don't, he goes, like, ballistic, and he says, uh, think Robert De Niro lets you touch his face, think Johnny Depp lets you, and, like, Johnny Depp is sitting next to him, yeah. in character. <laughs> Uh, and then he goes up on, on onto the stage of the cinema. This is like when cinemas were within theaters. Um, that also obviously were stage theaters. And he does verbatim this whole De Niro monologue with De Niro projected onto him. Yeah. So it is like it's it's super meta, but it's also really fun and really lighthearted, um, and very like it's it's a very foreign film mm -hmm. made in English. Yeah. Um, and, and they're trying to make a flying machine, which is another thing like, you know, in film people can fly. So, and so it's got like all of these great different elements. It has like a more, it has like Costalitza's like sense of humor, which I suppose is more of like an Eastern European sense of humor, which is kind of more where my family's sense of humor comes from. And like, I just think that it's such a great film. Um, it's got a lot of magical realism, but I also think it's like quintessential 90s film because it wouldn't have... It may have been made in the 70s. It definitely would have, wouldn't have gotten made in the 80s. It fit really perfectly in the 90s. Like, it, like um, a lot of people saw that film. That wasn't like an art house film. That was just a regularly yeah. distributed film. Um, and then it would definitely would not get made today, for sure. There's like yeah. no way. And it would also not get that cast. No, so no, th no. Th there is something very kind of... I, if, when I look back at like 90s cinema, a lot of times, like I see certainly Western European and American cinema, not necessarily maybe Eastern European cinema, well, except for Tarantino, but they're much more like combined. They're much more uh, 
cosepetic with one another versus and like this is the pre-internet age right and so like post-internet age actually things are far more segregated i think and like you have like these things yeah, that are yeah, like yeah. quintessential american films and then you have these things that are quintessential european films and they're not as blended like uh, like french new wave is super affected by american cinema but the 1970s mm-hmm. cinema is super affected by french new wave and i feel like those things right. are like not they don't happen as much anymore no they don't do they and it's a real shame because I think that like it um, that that symbiosis like creates a new a third thing a new thing, um, and I don't need like uh, I don't need American cinemas to be European and I don't need European cinemas to be American. But I like this idea of like actually creating a hybrid and then and that's also how you make new things rather than skipping yeah, yeah, to yeah. genre. Um, so yeah, I think that that's great and yeah, it's such a great film and there are so many moments of it that are like, if you take it out of context, they're ridiculous. But within the world, they make perfect sense, and I think that that's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that says a lot about his ability to like build a, a cohesive. Yeah, you you uh, you want to be there with them, right? So you suspend your disbelief, and it's it, it's it, it's not even that hard to suspend your disbelief because you just like hanging out with these people. Yeah. So, so uh, that was the yeah, other. So... Have you? I, I didn't ask. Uh, have you seen it? No. Oh, you should. It's great. <laughs> No, I definitely will. I definitely will. So, um, what were the other ones that you were going to talk about that you you mentioned before? Um, quiz show. Yes, that was another one. Uh, which is, is Robert Redford. Yes, that's yes. a yeah. That's Ray Fiennes playing uh, somebody Van Doren. It's based on a true story. I haven't seen that one either. I need oh. to watch it. I watch it, but I do remember it getting a lot of good praise about it. Yeah, it's a. So it's kind of, we don't like, it's a, there's something quite naive about that film. It's based on a true story, but it's not like a hard hitting, no one dies. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a hard hitting, it doesn't really, it starts with something that's immoral rather than something that's tragic. Okay. Um, and I think that we don't really make those types of films either anymore. And there's something, right. first of all, everyone is so young and beautiful. Can we just like talk about how gorgeous Ray Fiennes is? This is like yeah. before he played the world's most beautiful Nazi in Schindler's List. Um, he was really good looking when he was younger. Yeah, I mean, he's still great in my he opinion. He still is. Yeah, I think he should still... only do comedies. But um... he scared the crap out of me in Schindler's List. Yeah, he's. I mean, I he like. I remember seeing that film. Yeah, he's really terrifying, and he's very, again, very like he plays con- inner conflict really well in that film. And I just remember being in that film, and I was like, "How can your eyes be so blue in a black and white film? That makes no sense." <laughs> My, my, um, uh, do you remember when The English Patient came out? Sure. Was that in the 90s? Yeah, that, that definitely is a 90s film. Yeah, my, my, because he's in that, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mum's partner, Simon, absolutely hated that I'm film. with, I'm with Simon. All the men hated that film. Like, why is this film so long? But um, but I love that film, and I think he's so good in that film. He's he another kind of tortured person, isn't he? He's like a prisoner of war or something, or they think he's a spy or whatever. But I just think it was so romantic. It is very romantic. <laughs> it is very romantic. It is very long. There is that whole like it is very long. um era of like period. Nineties is full of period cinema, right? Like yeah, what, yeah, what yeah, like yeah. Uh, that, Scorsese calls costume pieces. Um, there's quite a lot of them. I, like it's funny. I love the films of uh, Ivory and Merchant. Like I'm huge. Like I love those films, and I'll watch so many of them nowadays. And you're like again, like 
There's no, it's, uh, you're not being hit over the head with the morality, like, and it's not, and also like, oh, I apologize. That's all right. Uh, And also you're not, you, uh, it's not um, a read, you know, the films were made today, but they take place then, but it's not today's morality being projected on then. It's just telling the way people you would act in their in their case people of certain classes would have acted in that uh so yeah i, I really uh yeah ray fines is, is great and he plays american really really well he plays like he has a like what is it a mid-atlantic accent there right so he plays like, okay like, in quiz show yeah in quiz show and quiz show is very like it's a really um it has a few moments in it that like i just remember always and i just remember like for instance, Scorsese there, he plays, I think Mr. Colgate or whoever it is that's like sponsoring this quiz show, 21 Questions. And um, he looks at a photo of like John Tarturo, whose like teeth are all like screwed up. And he's like, you know, he's a lower, lower middle class. He plays a lower middle class Jewish guy there who kind of was like always bullied for knowing stuff. And now like finally knowing stuff is got, got in, getting him ahead. Anyway, Scorsese looks at a photo of him and says, no, there's a face for radio, <laughs> uh, which is one of the best lines. I just love that line. Um, and there's like a real, it's funny. There's an innocence in that film. And then there's like the filmmaking and, and there's a character in that film called Rob Moreau, not called, the actor played him called Rob Moreau and he um he's a a journalist who's like looking into 21 questions because he thinks it's really weird that this guy that always once suddenly didn't know a question that everybody knew the answer to mm-hmm. and then this other guy who seems okay but clearly not as smart as this other less less traditionally good looking chap um suddenly he's doing ridiculously well so he starts to like look into all of this and he starts to look into um what it is we want our heroes to look like in a certain type of so we don't want them to look like a jew from bronx we want them to look like the this slightly aryan looking uh son of uh a very uh highly regarded um intellectual waspy family and it's really okay. interesting it's it so it is it it is it's it's really it's an interesting mix because it is a morality tale and there mm-hmm. is judgment but there is um also like the filmmaking doesn't get in the way of the story it's kind of weird that this film like had a huge impact on me and I can't really pinpoint why, but it's a story that I remember like quite a lot, like yeah. quite often. And it's sort of like, it has that really like trust, trust your actors. They'll, they'll, they'll pull it off. You don't have to be like super, super, super fancy, but you also do have to punctuate the scene with uh, rhythm. So for okay. example, like when they're in the television studio, things start to like move much quicker. And yeah. then there's like, and there are moments where like they, we move from like, um the feeling in the studio versus mm-hmm. the feel uh, they cut from like a shot and then they cut to people on the television watching it and you un- you have this like compression of space and time okay that's like um very apt it's a very good way to tell that story and i just remember it being like super effective and also it had all of these uh, the i think the text really mimics the filmmaking so there's this like bit where like rob moreau 
he goes to like the Yale club or the Harvard club or some like club, this Ivy league club. And he's speaking to some, I think the, the head of the network or somebody who's very, again, like a wasp and jo- Rob Moreau plays the Jewish man. And he's there that like, he's never been allowed into this club before. Right. Based on his Ooh. like, uh, based on him being Jewish. And he orders a Reuben and like, they're trying, you know, those conversations where like, there's like fake pleasantries. Yeah. Like one guy's investigating another guy. The other guy like wants right. him to like back off. So it's like inviting him for lunch and, you know, and, um, and he invites him basically into like his court thinking that he wants him to be part of that. This guy's dream is to be part of this world. And this guy walks into this room and he's like, nobody here would ever accept me for who I am. So why would I ever want to be a part of that? And it's this really weird, they order like a sandwich. They, they like order a sandwich and he orders a Reuben sandwich. Yeah. He's like surprised that there's a Reuben sandwich on this, like on the menu at the, this Ivy league club. <laughs> and he says, uh, you can order a Reuben sandwiches, but I don't see any Reubens around. Like there are no Jews in this room. There are no black people in this room. It's very clearly one. So there's a lot of these like really like simple, like little, like it, the film elbows the morality in, but it, again, it doesn't like hit you over the head. It's just really good. And I also remember kind of being like the first time I recognized, I was really young when I saw this film, but it was the first time that like I'd seen an actor direct because it's a Robert mm-hmm. Redford film and he's not in it. And uh, I was like, this film, it felt different to me, and I couldn't put well, my he's finger. He's become a very good film director. I mean, he's yeah. very old now, but he 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 proved himself to be a, an amazing director. He, he's obviously had years of acting, so he's picked up, you know, and learned his craft as a director. But he's an amazing filmmaker. Yeah, well. absolutely. And I think now now I kind of think of like actors as possibly the best directors kind of like i think artists are the best seem to be the best curators whenever i go to like an exhibition it's curated by an artist that seems to be better than somebody who's like properly i, I think there are great like super great actor directors um and obviously they have a knowledge of like what it's like to be within something and um, on the other side of the camera yeah exactly well. within the scene so they know how to like get how to emphasize what's happening without getting in the way of what's happening mm. and i think that that's uh, yeah, and they probably also understand the vulnerability of what's going on in a, in, a, in a better way. But I just remember being like, I, I kind of like really surprised at how you could like move, because like yeah, how you could move from thing to thing. So that was like uh, yeah, I just from, I just love that film. I don't know why it's so simple. It's all right. It's, uh, it's a really simple film, and also it's one of those things where like I realized that like it's very like from a cinematography standpoint, it's a very straightforward film. It's not like a classic nineties. Mm-hmm wide lens close-up kind of crazy kooky you know it doesn't look like um raising arizona no but um i love love, yeah raising arizona i actually on my list was the hudsucker proxy and um as well that's a great um there are a lot of great comedies and but like yeah so like i just remember that film being like in that era being like kind of not getting it just didn't get in the way god the more we talk the more i'm like oh actually I kind of like want to change my list. I kind of want to change my list now. I want to be like, oh, A League of Their Own for sure had a massive that effect on me. That was another good one. I remember that. That was for sh- yeah. With Madonna, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah Madonna, yeah. Rosie O'Donnell, Gina Davis. It's like, and, and by the way, Gina, the woman that plays Gina Davis' sister is Keanu Reeves. Point Break. Yeah. And Tank oh, Girl. Oh, and um, Bill Pullman. Tom Hanks and Bill Pullman. Was her husband, husband yeah, back. and he comes back. Yeah, it's yeah. just, a, it's a, yeah. I remember. I remember that film. I love that film. That film's directed so by a woman, Penny Marshall. Oh yeah, of course. 
um, who made Big. Was it Shane actor before as well? Yeah, in the seventies. Great cheddar. What very other great films that you're gonna talk about? Um, I was I was going to talk about um, uh, Naked. I, I think okay, was one yeah. of them. Um, so I don't know that one. Mike, <laughs> you, Mike Lee's film is called "It's Naked." Um, it's a David Seals film. It's apparently from 1993. It is watch it. It's like super. It's 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 iconic. David Seals gives probably the greatest, um, probably the greatest um, performance of his life. Really, he plays a lead. Plays a guy coming down from Manchester to London, mm-hmm. who's drunk, and he's oh, really? kind of a okay. dick. And London is, like, just starting to get into, like, new labor. So, basically, London is still reeling off Thatcher. And the world at large is kind of reeling off... um...